Hey, Jenny, what's so great about beer? Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Beer Talk Radio. I am your host, Ginny the Greek, and this is the podcast where we explore craft beer culture with industry experts, microbrew misfits, foodie friends, and ale enthusiasts. I am super excited today. I am visiting Drake's Barrel House, which is the tap room for Drake's Brewing Company. I'm so excited that a wonderful man by the name of John Galuli, who is the head brewmaster here at Drake's, has taken the time to come talk to me and give me an interview for the podcast. He is quite the gentleman, very intelligent, very articulate, great sense of humor, and I can already tell this is going to be fun-filled, fact-filled, informational podcast for all of your listening pleasure. I'm a huge fan of this barrel house. I've been here on many a first date. I've watched many a Giants games here, and it's so great to be back. Thank you so much for having me here, John. No, my pleasure, Jenny. Thanks for reaching out to us. Always happy to babble on the on, on the radio podcast. Cool you were able to come and set up down here in the tap room. We got got some little tap room noise going on in the background for us all. It'll be nice. Drinking some beer. You're drinking a Hefeweizen right there in front of you, I see. Nice work. One of our older brews, been around for a while. It's a traditional Bavarian-style Hefeweizen. Getting the banana and cloves and all that out of it. Sweet. Not a lot of people are making those anymore. We're, we're one of the few people that stuck with it. There's some, you know, crappy American wheats, but that's a different beer. <laughs> Glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. And this is not this is one of many. I, I definitely am going to have another one before I leave. Uh, I've had many different brews, but it seems like your menu, I guess you could say, has changed in the past couple years. I haven't set foot in here in like two and a half years, but I would like to start the interview with asking you, how did you get into craft brewing and what is your background? I got into craft brewing the way a lot of people did back in the 90s. I was a home brewer. I was a very active home brewer. I started home brewing in 1990, stovetop in a kitchen, extracts, all that crap. Moved into all grain home brewing by 1994. I was kind of one of those irritating home brewers who that like my hobby was becoming rather all consuming. My job was rather boring at that point in time. I was like a, I, I did like routing for a truck del- uh, delivery company. Blah. So, you know, it was clear that I was, you know, passionate about the beer thing. This was like all I really cared about and happened at about that time up at UC Davis where they have a lovely, you know, full fermentation science program. They also started a a side program, created a group called the American Brewers Guild. Okay, led by the same people who were running the, you know, the fermentation science program at Davis. So Dr. Michael Lewis was the head of the program at the time. And I signed up. I did a 12-week condensed course. It was six weeks, 40 hours a week in the classroom, and then six weeks internship. I did my internship at Red Hook up in Seattle. At the end of my internship, I got hired. I was one of the, I was like the first wave of staffing of their new and now dead uh, Woodenville facility which I believe has been bought by two wineries because Red Hook shut it down. 
Yeah, that's how I jumped in. Homebrewers, man. I mean, back in the 90s, we were all homebrewers. Some of us went to class. Some of us went straight to work. That was the first wave. So, John, can you tell me when you got hired at Drake's and how you got hired? I got hired at Drake's in 2012. Their head brewer at the time was a guy named Brian Thorson, who's now with a very cool brewery down in Southern California. I think, oh gosh, now I can't remember the name. That's going to bother me. Halfway through this interview, it'll come to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had cut the crap out of his hand. He was just like, could not use his left hand. And I was in the, at that point in time, I was doing some contracting work. I was um, going up and down from Oakland to Truckee every every couple of weeks and doing some work with 5050 Brewing Company up there. Their head brewer, uh, Todd Ashman, and I went to brewing school together. And he was in the process of hiring and training a an assistant and Todd's always worked alone. He realized he wasn't a good trainer. He got, you know, was able to talk ownership and to bring me up there and kind of like develop, you know, kind of like get into his head, work on SOPs and stuff like that. So I'm doing the whole independent contractor thing, and it was kind of cool. But, you know, that sort of work gets, gets tough because sometimes you're working, sometimes you're not. Drake's reached out specifically to come in just to, like, help out Brian because he lacerated the crap out of his hand. I was literally his right hand for my first month here, February 2012. That's right about the time the Drakes was starting a fairly nice little ramp up. They had just moved on from a little tabletop modeling line to a rotary line. They were pushing more beer out. I think I was here for six weeks working like two or three days a week, and they asked me if I could stay on full time. I stayed on full time. Then Brian left to go to a place in Southern California that still escapes me. I took on the job as seller master at that point because they really didn't have a well-defined seller program then. Did that for a year. There was some management turnover. And by early 2013, I was the production manager here. I was given the title brewmaster the next year. And this is the longest I've ever been at a brewery. I started in 1995 at Red Hook, and I have been at nine breweries since then, and none of them for more than two and a half years. So so this has been kind of cool. Well, John, that's great to hear, and I'm so excited that you've been able to last so long. So let me ask you this, and let's get a little, let's take it a little deeper. What is it about the company culture here at Drake's that has kept you here for what six years now? Okay, so if you've lasted here longer here than at any other brewery, can you tell me what it is about this company that you love so much? There's a couple different ways I can answer that. A lot of a lot of the moving around in the early days was just strictly. I've got a wife and two kids. You know, making money in the brewing industry isn't easy, so trying to move up required moving around. You know, I would move from like I went from a line brewer at Red Hook to uh, leads uh, like seller manager, lead sellerman at a place called Golden Pacific to a brewmaster to brew pub situation. Brew pub went out of business. I managed to latch on to Mendocino as lead brewer. But you know, you're and then I jumped from there to brewmaster at, at uh, Dogfish in 2002. Right. So I'm just constantly, you know, I constantly was a pushing myself and trying to you know, better my, I, I, I feel I'm just, I don't know, I, I'm ambitious. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, you know, so partly I'm satisfied here. I don't really think there's much more I want to do in this industry. You know, there's always like, don't you want to be an owner? That's the last thing people throw at me. And I don't know, you know, I, 
one of the, you asked me the you know one of the other things about Red Hook. A, yeah, I've kind of capped out on my ambitions. But two, we have really good owners here. They're really, they're like a, they're pretty hands off, but they, you get a decent amount of guidance out of them. More than that, though, they've set up a company. They we've got a lot of creative freedom here. You know, I can make crazy one offs, pretty much name them whatever the hell I want to. And they like that. They they like that. They like the. They like our staff to like show their personalities. I've worked at a lot. You know, a lot of places you work for an owner, and the owner like you're you're the minion. The owner's the owner, and you're executing the owner's vision. I, the own, ownership here is really happy to have really good beer. You know, sometimes they'll be like, "Hey, can you do this? Can you do that?" And you know, frankly, we get so little of that. We're totally stoked to be like, "Yeah, man, you want me to make a blah? We'll write. We're on that." You know. Also, we, you know, we're sitting here in a tap room where I have 18, 24. I don't remember how many taps I have here. I think 24. We have a bigger tasting room up in Oakland that's got 28 taps. About to open an even bigger tasting room in West Sacramento. I don't even know how many beers I'm having on tap there. But it's, it's a real, it's fun because working at other breweries like a dogfish getting a new beer made was tough that you know you think about dogfish oh they're always coming out with something a they were all handed down from ownership and that was cool because sam would put these crazy challenges in front of you like we're gonna make a beer with ingredients from all seven continents like okay they're not a lot source from antarctica dude but you you're all you never got to really you know exp- you, you you express your vision there by executing not by actually you know stepping back here you know, they want us to constantly surprise the customers. You know, we get to we get to kind of play in both worlds in the brewing industry here where we have like a major distributing toehold. You know, we have six packs in Safeway, but we also have crazy one-off kegs that we only serve on site. We do little one-offs that like just leak out to like high-end craft beer bars. We get a real kick out of that. We, we did a nice thing when we expanded and not enough breweries think to do. We kept our small 15-barrel system online when we brought our 60-barrel system online. If you get rid of that small system, you all of a sudden lose the capacity to like do fun little one-offs because all of a sudden you got 120 kegs to sell, and that's much more challenging than I've got, you know, 26 kegs to blow out in retail. So I can, you know, we've we've thrown some pretty pretty fun experiments up up against the wall. They haven't all hit. <laughs> But, you know, we get to fool around, and, and management loves it. You know, ownership just gives us carte blanche to, to do that. So, I mean, as far as being in a good situation, this is a good situation. Awesome. Calories, carbs, fat, protein, sodium, sugar, glycemic index, paleo, gluten-free, micros, macros, vegan, raw vegan, 30, 30, 40, When does the dieting madness stop? Now, in my experience, it's not lack of willpower that is the reason for most people failing on their diets. In our grab-and-go society, people just don't know how to cook anymore. They don't know how to shop properly. And most significantly, they don't know how to stay on a budget in order to stay consistent on their clean eating plan. That's why I have created a 90-minute interactive workshop called Clean Eating on a Budget to assist gym owners in helping their members help themselves. Whether you own a CrossFit box, a dance studio, or you're a coach leading a team of athletes into a competition, my delicious workshop can give even the worst cook a recipe for success. I am Chef Ginny. My phone number is 702-983-4492. 
Give me a call and let's help your team get back their dietary sanity. Let's talk about some of your pride and joy, your, your babies here at Drake's. There's a, there's a couple that you have on the menu, and I thought, why not describe them to our listeners? Let's talk about The Sun Never Sets. So Sun Never Sets is a beer we developed last year. We were getting a lot of push from retail to do a pale nitro beer. And they just wanted me to put 1,500 on nitro. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to put any hoppy beer on nitro. Nitro just represses hops. If you know, you know, one, one thing to know about beer is like when you smell those hop aromas, it kind of takes the CO2 in the beer sort of is what's bringing them up to your nose. Um, when you put them on nitro, you've all seen like Guinness was, is a nitro beer, um, nitrogenated. It's creamy. It's not very well carbonated because it's not meant to be. And it's got that really thick head of foam on it. That holds, that keeps the hops from really popping out at you. So I just wasn't going to do that. I was not, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I kept getting like, oh man, I've got, you know, I could sell so much of this pale, like a pale nitro beer. So fine. I finally sat down and we decided to develop something. We kind of took our cues from Boddington's, not the most inspired inspiration, but I was like, <laughs> meh, whatever, you know, well, we, we, we like, if we, if we were making this beer be good, how would we make it? And we... <laughs> Yeah, so we, you know, we can't, so we, we kind of got into it. Like if we, um, if, if anybody asked me like, what style is sun never sets, we landed it somewhere between an English pale mild and, oh, I don't know, maybe like a English summer ale, you know, it's lightly hopped. Cause like I said, nitro, no point in putting hops in it. They're just going to, they're not going to present themselves. It's got a really nice malt character. The nitro plays nicely with the beer. It actually works pretty well. It kind of tastes like English cast beer, which is why, you know, I was okay putting it on nitro. Sun Never Sets is a name that reflects the English inspiration for the beer because the sun never sets on the British Empire was an old saying from the 19th century. So that's how I remember it's English. <laughs> Well, that's great. We get a little beer and history lesson all rolled up into one. <laughs> Let's talk about basic AF. And shall I assume that means basic as fuck? Okay, let's go there. So that one really is, I mean, we wanted to make, we it's summertime. We wanted to make like kind of just a clean, simple beer that you could just kind of drop, put down. We we love making a beer. We make this pre-prohibition Pilsner that, that's like, mostly our favorite summer beer here because it's just like drinking water it's like old school 19th century budweiser but it ties up you know it's a lager it ties up the tanks for four and a half five weeks it's not really practical for me to keep that on tap but basic is is an, is like an eight or nine day beer it just chugs through it's got malt from the silo some some old school sea hops in it and it it's just basic, man. And we, you know, people ask me what style it is. I say ale. That seems to piss people <laughs> off. I'm like, man, it's basic, basic as fuck. You know, it's a, it's a fucking ale. So, and and then fortunately, like my um my staff here at the Barrel House very nicely made a tap handle special for it. Our tap handles are these like white kind of triangular things that you put stickers down each of the three sides. So they ripped all the stickers off one of them and just got a sharpie and scrawled basic AF on the uh, white handle which I thought was pretty, like, thank you for understanding this beer. So it's like your stock model. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly 
got a little interest in kind of poking this one a little bit because I'd like to have it in my back pocket. My sales department would love for me to come out with something like an 805, and I've been kind of resistant to it. And then I brought out a different um, blonde ale about six months ago called Super Becky because obviously Beckys are pretty basic too. But Super Becky is the opposite of basic because Super Becky was like really fancy malt from uh, Admiral Malting, which is a new local maltster out in Alameda. We use a fairly tricky yeast in it that's kind of a pain in the ass to work with. I actually have some pretty swanky hops in the in the finish. I could not go broad market with that beer. It's ridiculously expensive and kind of a pain in the butt to make. So I was like, fine, I, I, I really should at least make one. You know, I've got a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people about beer, obviously, like all the time. And for every, you know, I'm into the next IPA fad, you know, what's happening next? Man, Hazy's cool. I love the Hazy's. Oh, bring on the brood IPAs. Oh, San Diego's where all the good beers are. But then there's the other people who are like, look, I don't want to drink crappy macro beer, but I just want to drink something that's not going to knock my ass off, paralyze my tongue or anything like that. And you see like so much, say, you know, Firestone's 805 sells like a lot. And I think it's not really a great beer. I feel like I could make something. It, it, yeah, I feel like I can make something in that category that was actually good. So <laughs> I will tell you, I find it challenging. I enjoy basic, but I'm. It's, it's at least three moves away from something I would release broad market. So um, I'm going to play with it because it's fun. And to be fair, I'm, I, will, I will play with it if it sells well. You know, in marketing, we talk about having a high dollar item and then a low dollar item. So it sounds like you're on the right track. You've, you're you're, you're going to put this in the right direction. And I hope more people get to taste it. And by the way, I love the Beyonce reference. Awesome. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Brute Scootin' Boogie. So just mentioned there's yet a new style of IPA that popped out of San Francisco late last year. A guy named Kim over at Social Kitchen started making IPAs using an enzyme in them that completely dried the IPAs out. You know, they, the, the enzyme reduced all the sugars and made them fermentable. So we they you know they're like a brute champagne there's literally no no body no mouthfeel like like not none but compared to a normal beer yeah the, the like the the, the malts are it, it's super dry i mean it extra brutes a real thing they're they're very crisp very dry very i, I just did a beer dinner and I, we used our one as a first course that we paired with like a crudo you know perfect it is you know we put it in champagne flutes so that's that's one that we've been fooling around with. The Brute Scoot and Boogie is, you know, we're just we're just having fun with the word brute. That's actually my production manager, Devon Buckingham, came up with that name. Fortunately, I have a staff here. You know, I good good God, you know, naming beers actually really wears you down after a while. You know, some we used to have like a default if we couldn't like come up with a name, we would just name it after like a song title or something like that. And even that turned into kind of a shit show. So, um, good job, D man, Brute Scoot and Boogie. That's a great name. <laughs> I actually like it a lot, and I'm going to definitely try that before I leave today. I have a question for you, John. Fucking raccoon IPA. Now, like I told you, I used to live down the street right off of uh, San Leandro Boulevard in Davis. Raccoons are fucking everywhere <laughs> in San Leandro. Is this a nature-inspired name for your beer? So the, the big sign there says effing raccoon. 
It's it's technically the full beer name is Forging Raccoon, and the reason it's but we make the effing raccoon reference is quite legitimately what we're trying to make you think. So good catch. Forging raccoons are one of the few. Well, they're the only sculpin predators that live on the land. So if you're familiar with sculpin IPA. Um, foraging raccoons eat them. Love the double entendre. A day in the life of brewmaster John Galuli. Thank you, Jenny. I will say once a week, my day in the life, I, I kind of insist on brewing on the little system, like knocking out little little one-off projects, usually recipes I write just for fun. Probably not as often as once a week, but... I try to get up myself up on deck. Those are special days for me because I don't look at my emails and do anything like that. I just check the hell out. So they're super relaxing, and I can't even really speak to those days because I, I practically, like, get into a subconscious mind state where I'm just kind of, like, blissing out and brewing because, you know, that's why I got into this. I like beer, and, you know, brewing is actually the, my passion. Um, but I'm management now, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm management because I'm pretty good at it, and I find some joys in that too the way my day normally goes i'll come in first thing in the morning like usually in 7 30 on my bike and i head straight to the packaging hall they're getting ready at that point by about 7 30 they're getting ready to start kegging and bottling beer so i go to every tank that's getting packaged that day and i taste the beer that's going to be put in package we have a we have a, a sign off process i have other people who are authorized to sign off there's a few of us that you know i i've I've got people on my management team who I trust, so they can sign off on beers. But I still want to go down and taste them. Just You have to taste everything that you're putting out under your name, man. you got to know what your beers are. So that's generally move one. And then you're down there, and you're down there with the packaging guys. And that, you know that's like one of the hardest jobs in the company because it's fairly repetitive, kind of dull. You know, you get the guys down there get a little, you, you know, you, that's that's a pretty loose department down there because you, you got to keep things fun because otherwise it, it could suck real bad. So... Spend some time, you know, just kind of chatting with the packaging crew, talking about the beer. So maybe something like today I went down there and our new brew was in the tank and, you know, we're just we're just developing that beer. So I kind of, you know, asked, what do you guys think of the brew? How do you like the brew? Blah, blah, blah. And just kind of talking, seeing what's going on down that way. And I, then I'll wander through the cellars, get a feel for what's going on for the day. I'm not really as operationally like checked in as I used to be you know when I, when I was production manager I was writing the schedule and I could tell you like exactly what brew was in every tank I'd be like oh 62's got a day seven draconic in it it's testing to crash tomorrow you know I had to look at the board down and know all that kind of stuff because I actually have you know we've promoted a great management team from within which is great so you know after I've kind of just done the rounds I'll pop up here into the tasting room make sure these guys have the beer on tap they're supposed to sometimes like a new release will come out but they won't know to order it and i just make sure that you know the best beer i can have is in front of everybody here wander over to the brewing department kind of just sit in the office for a little bit kind of take it in see if there's any are there any weird issues today weird issues at the this point in time tend like on my end tend to be Oh, we got a delivery delayed. We've got to flip the schedule around. And where I am checked in, like, you know, like wh what I do now is more like broad schedule planning, like, you know, sort of like monthly scheduling, like how many barrels of this, how many barrels of that. I know what's going on all the trucks. 
So I know like, oh, well, you can go ahead and move this beer, but put this one up here, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe we have to make an ingredient sub on the fly. We try not to do that because, you know, that's not what we're here to do. But we're also not here to, you know, short orders. So, you know, if we got to do something creative like that, I'll, you know, I'll definitely insert myself in a process like that. But mostly, you know, I, I've got four managers. I, I touch base with, uh, I have a production manager who's, basically, who's running the, you know, getting the beer into the bright tank. I have an operations manager who's in charge of getting the beer into package and onto truck. I have a guy who's uh, my barrel master, Travis Camacho, is running the barrel program. I spend a fair amount of time just chatting with him and, you know, kind of helping him out, especially ordering, like, some of the weird ingredients and stuff he's got to do. Getting a whole, you know, getting 600 pounds of cherries, shit like that, that could be kind of, that's always fun. Then we have a major engineering project going on right now. So my project manager, Chris Dunstan, is installing, we bought a bottle line. Well, we didn't buy a bottle line. We bought a used filler because it was really, really cheap. It was like a $1.2 million filler. We got it for $125,000. There was no way we weren't going to buy that. So we've been sourcing and receiving over the last few months all the, you know, ancillary equipment like the, the labeler, the conveyors, the case packer. There's like so much going on down there that I, you know, I can't entirely wrap my head around everything going on down there on a daily basis. That, I, that would be my full time job. And that's why I have a project manager. But I spent a good amount of time just kind of touching base with that, seeing how that's going making sure he's not running in into any roadblocks. I really feel like my job now is getting roadblocks out of the way of my managers. That seems, that would probably be like if I were describing like really what what I'm here for, that's number one. Number two is like big picture stuff. So I like now I meet with like the vice president of sales and we talk about, oh, this new release is coming out. What? How much of this do we think we're going to sell over the course of the two month run? How much raw material should I source? That kind of stuff big picture stuff i'm already in 2019 product of planning you know product calendar planning we make a lot of beers here at drake so you know what what to focus on like looking at trends you know we're we're releasing this brood ipa in six packs this summer we're really far ahead on the curve on that one i mean that could be great because we're going to be one of the first people in package with that style but it also uh, our ownership was was kind of like well you know when you're first you get all the slings and arrows too so we, we will see how that goes. Maybe it goes well. Maybe that's like you circle back to those guys. You know, they're cool about that kind of thing. They could see we were passionate about doing it. You know, let it rip. What's the worst case scenario? You know, we made a beer that didn't sell very well. We'll sell what we make. Other than that, shit, I don't know what I do during the day. I answer way too many emails, that kind of stuff. Product selection, you know, I'll spend a lot of time in September up in Yakima Valley selecting hops for the year. When you're a manager, you have to deal with this stuff. You have to deal with stupid administrative stuff. You have to go to meetings. I mean, this is part of the life. It's not all It's not all glamorous. It's not all, you know, fun, fun, fun all the time. But speaking of big picture stuff, just to close the interview, where would you like to see Drake's going? So for me, the real... How do I want to put this? You know, the real joy in making the beer is getting the beer to the, you know, to people. You know, you want people to enjoy the, the fruits of your labor. And for, for us, the best thing, I, you know, I love being here in the tasting room. The dealership up in Oakland, it, it just, it's amazing. And what's great about those places is you're getting the freshest beer we make. 
and we're going to open another one of those up in West Sacramento. And it's going to, you know, it's an 800 seat restaurant slash tap room. And people are going to be experiencing Drake's beers the way we here at Drake's want you to experience them. I'm not going to talk down to people who like buy six packs of Safeway because we sell six packs of Safeway. But in, in an ideal world, I would love you to come to us to experience the beers in their most pristine form. And our ownership is they're, they're into restaurants. You know, I, John owns, um, John Martin is our, one of our two owners, John and Roy Kerkorian. John owns Jupiter up in Berkeley. John opened Triple Rock in 1985, which was, I think, the third brew pub in America and is now the oldest continually owned brew pub in America. And they ha- that's part of their vision. So, you know, where I want to see Drake's going, I want to see, uh, you know, I think after Sacramento, I think we're going to open someplace in the South Bay. I think we're going to try to get, you know, places like that open. So Come to Vegas! Exactly right, though. And that's... And that works on, like, so many levels. It works on a quality level because, again, it's the best beer you're going to get is going to be in our own tasting room. We control that entire supply chain. No jackass is going to let your case of beer sit out warm for a month and then forget to stock it or not rotate. The farther the beer gets from you, the more control you lose over it. That kind of model, I would love to see Drake's with tasting rooms all over the place, and, and that's how we sell our beer. That was a wonderful call to action, and I was just going to mention how much I loved and enjoyed coming here, watching games, bringing dates here. The staff here is very friendly, very professional. The beer is always cold and tasty. And what we didn't mention is how great the food here is at Drake's, and me being a chef, I can vouch for the cook that they've got here. She's amazing. Thank you so much, John, for your time. I appreciate it. Like I said, I'm still starstruck. I'm still, like, oogly that you even got back to me to give me the interview. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today on the Beer Talk Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and like on iTunes. And if you would like to leave comments for me, follow me on Twitter, Beer Talk FM Radio, Find me on LinkedIn, Jennifer Heathers Eon, or you can join our Facebook group page where you can post all the beers that you like to drink. But I don't expect you to remember all of that, so just log on to our website, www.beertalkradio.net. There's a place there where you can drop your email and join the newsletter. And if you'd like to contact me directly, I am Ginny at beertalkradio.net. Thanks for drinking with me today, and have a great one.